0: Hey, this is Dale Calvert. I'd like to welcome you to Dream Big and Charge Part 2. If you've not heard Part 1 of this this session, please do that before you listen to this. It'll mean so much more, and even if you have, it may be a good idea to listen again because repetition is the mother of learning. In this session, I'm going to share with you an entrepreneurial mind state I call Jet Fuel. For those of you that follow my work and teaching and podcast and seminars etc over the years i would just tell you it's going the longer you've listened to me the more i think this is going to mean for you and i'm extremely excited to share this with you honestly the last time i can remember being this excited was several months ago when i sh- shared with our personal team what i call the fifth star uh, when, when lining up a network marketing opportunity and its real upside potential, and how the fifth star is basically the emotional state of the market, the people within the market, the consumers determine the true upside potential of any business. And if you haven't heard of that contraint, that particular webinar, that training, I can't recommend it highly enough. Uh, I've made it available to the public, and I'll put the link uh, to the YouTube uh, presentation in the podcast notes here. Personally, I'm in a really, really good place right now for years on this podcast. I've kind of shared with principles and concepts and business building methods that I've taught for years. And, you know, I've shared over and over systems that I know work and wisdom of the ages principles that I know create success for everybody over time. But really the last half of last year uh, and and for sure since November, uh, I've been 100% immersed in a, the only way I can call it is a learning mindset personally. And I've shared with many family members and friends, and probably on this podcast, that I feel like the 20 year old Dale working on an assembly line at IBM with a Walkman on and internalizing a world back then of personal growth and team building that I never even knew existed. Uh, but today, this time, I'm, I'm immersed in a world of passive income and wealth generation opportunities that exist through the cryptocurrency markets. In more ways than I can describe, I feel like my entire life has brought me to this time and place, and the number of people I hope that we will be able to support, help, and inspire, really because of the crypto market, is kind of overwhelming. And I really don't have the words to express how thankful I feel or excited I am to be sharing with you for the first time a concept uh, I'm just calling the Jet Fuel Entrepreneur Mindset.
1: Welcome to the MLMSuccess.com podcast, the show designed to return the network marketing industry to its roots of personal growth, leadership development, and wisdom of the age's success principles. We share with you real success stories from real people that we hope will inspire and encourage you personally and help you progress forward in your business and your life. We believe if you build people, people will build the business. Now here is your host who has been called the number one mind in network marketing, the MLM Profit, Network Marketing Virtual Mentor, and a host of other names that we will not mention because this is a family show. Frankly, he's just a small-town guy that figured out that the real product in network marketing is people. Dale Calvert.
0: Hey, this is Dale Calvert again. I'm sincerely excited about the concept I'm going to be sharing with you today. But first, I need to give you give a couple of shout-outs to some of our listeners. Uh, guys, I so appreciate all the feedback and those of you that take the time to send that to me or to comment on our, any of our social media platforms. And to share your comments and your feedback, and it means more than you know, and I depend on it more than you know. But I got a LinkedIn message this week that I w- appreciate. It is from someone named, and I apologize for butchering this name, but it's Hannah Sigari, Sigari, and she's a founder with a company called Quarrel, Q Y R A L. Uh, helping others to age well, live well, and do good. She's from Palto Alto, Palto Alto, California. And she just said, Hey, I'm Hannah, founder of o- OYRAL. I'm a huge fan. I listen to all your podcasts, every single one of your DVDs. Like you've never seen a fan quite like me smiley face. And, you know, I just got that message out of the blue. I've never talked to her. I don't know who she is. We've never met that I can recall. And I just appreciate somebody taking the time on LinkedIn to let me know, hey, I listen to your podcast, and I appreciate it. And then I also got a message through email from my my buddy, Will Zanders, who I've still never shook his hand. But many of you remember that Will was featured on uh, podcast session 119. Uh, podcast session 119. The title of that was 3% Six Figure Earner to a Unified Systematic Team Builder. And, uh, that was a phenomenal session. If you haven't heard of that again, that's session 119. We did that a couple of three years ago. And, you know, I've said for for ages that most three percenters leave 90 percent of their money on the table because they never have what I call the leadership development paradigm shift that they never figure out. It's not about them. It's about the people on their team, the 27 percenters that they can help learn, grow and move forward. But anyway, Will sent me a message in a video and it just said I couldn't have done it without you. He said, uh, thank you, my friend. This is my biggest team ever. It took between 18 and 36 months, just like you said it would. A real team with real people and real products founded upon Wisdom of the Age of Success principles. Uh, and then he showed me a screenshot. He's now have over 340,000 people on his team. He had added 68 new people uh, that month. And then he showed me a video where he had had a day last month where he made over fifteen thousand dollars in a day. and uh, so I so appreciated him just taking the time to send me a message that uh, he he if you go back and listen to that podcast where Will was featured, it's beyond obvious that he has been a real student, and I so appreciate that. Will, I know you're probably listening. Uh, man, we, I still haven't shook your hand yet. We got to meet, shake each other's hand. I look forward to meeting you personally. We've talked on the phone a few times. Uh, when Don and I bought the e-commerce store for the beach uh, back in, during the beginning of COVID, and we flew into Dallas and rented a U-Haul and loaded up all the inventory for that store and headed back to Georgia, uh if you remember man I, you, I we came through Shreveport and we tried to look you up on our tri- on our way back home but I think you were traveling in Dallas or somewhere so anyway we got to we got to meet up for sure it's been too long and I will I appreciate I sincerely appreciate your message And then this morning on uh, Facebook Messenger, I got this message. And it it just kind of has been kind of cool, you know, because I don't get a lot of these where people take the. I get a lot of people want to complain and gripe and argue about with me about concepts and ideas that I teach. But this gentleman's name is Craig Merwood. He said, I just love to show my gratitude. Love, love, love your YouTube channel. And your MLM Success Podcast, you are the best trainer in the profession. Love it. Craig Merwood, and he's in Australia. Uh, so I appreciate that, Craig. And then I also got another message uh, today, and it, it just said, Mr. Calvert, you probably haven't noticed, but some anti mlm or who obviously never listens to your podcast gave it a one-star review. His rant had nothing to do with the session, but his feelings on MLM in general. It upsets me that this one-star review has brought your five-year, perfect five-star rating down to 4.6. You may you may want to mention this on your next session, and I'm sure there will be others like myself who will be happy to take a few minutes and leave you a five-star review. At least get your ratings back up some well four points point six is not bad but trevor i appreciate that and if i can figure out how to leave a link in the podcast description that will make it real easy for you guys to just click and leave a a review i will i will and again i know a lot of you have left reviews over the years if you want to leave another one if you would leave another one uh it would probably help me and i'm sure uh Trevor, Trevor would feel better, so uh, I'm going to leave that as well. Uh, and then he sent me what this guy said, and you know I'm not going to take the time to reiterate ignorance. I do want to pr- bring out one part of what he said. That's why I put it in here. Thousands and thousands spend their valuable time and money convincing themselves that there is a future in multi-level marketing that was the part that I wanted to mention in this guy's crazy comment. If you want to read the whole thing, you can look at the comments. But here's my point. You you on better convince yourself that there's a future with your company. You better do that to give yourself a shot at making it. And that will kind of play into what I'm want to speak to in this session. And while I'm thinking about it, I just got to also give a shout out real quick to Bernadette Michael. I mean, I cannot do a YouTube video where she's not making a comment or giving it a thumbs up. And I know there's others as well. And guys, I, I, I appreciate that. And I am considering moving to more of a YouTube show and have the YouTube recording as a podcast. A lot of you know right now I do a podcast and... And I put the audio version on YouTube, but I think with some of what I'm doing, I really need, you need a visual, you need charts, you need to see some graphs, you need to see some facts in front of you, some headlines in front of you. That's just something I'm considering. I don't know if I'm going to do that or not, but I say that to say this. If you're listening to this, if you ever hear this on YouTube, please take the time to just at least give it a thumbs up. I would appreciate Comments and feedback, but if I'm going to start moving in the YouTube direction, that will help. So anyway, in this session, we're going to talk about the two types of entrepreneurs that are very rare. You don't, you hardly ever see these. They're kind of unrecognizable until they're pointed out to you. And I'm going to talk about the jet fuel entrepreneur and the whale. And And here's the wee, easiest way to explain a whale I mean, in the crypto world, whales are a common term. Whales are the big fish. In the crypto world, whales can affect various crypto protocols. And if they're big enough, like Elon Musk, for example, uh, they can influence the entire crypto market. I mean... When Elon Musk mentioned something about Dogecoin, that kind of put that coin over the edge, and I could give you other examples. I'm not going to. But in my mind, a whale has enough money in, in their risk portfolio, their risk portfolio, money they're willing to risk, to take calculated risk based upon their knowledge, wisdom, experience, and, and instincts, and risk that. And, and if it doesn't work out it's not going to sting very bad because they have enough money in their risk portfolio where they can spread the risk across multiple deals so it's not going to sting too bad and if it does work out it can make a very positive impact on their overall net worth you know Mark Cuban uh, back in the day sold broadcast.com for 5.6. Billion with a B dollars in the in the middle of the dot com boom, Yahoo bought it. I'm sure they wish they hadn't today, but they did. Everybody was buying up everything, and he sold it for five point six dollars. So, he can easily go on Shark Tank and invest twenty five thousand dollars for thirty three and a third percent interest of a company called. I want to draw a cat for you. <laughs> some of you may have seen that Shark Tank episode. Yeah, the company is called I Want to Draw a Cat for You. And he can do it without thinking about it, kind of on instinct, uh, because he can invest, you know, in in that project and other projects. And if he loses the 25 k it's not going to kill him with some of the investments, you know, that he loses on because... He may have the opportunity to make millions in a buyout down the road if and when that company he invests in is bought out or is acquired. So whales have enough money in their investment portfolio to make enough deals that when one hits, the upside potential can be huge. Uh, Those of you that subscribe to my YouTube channel at DaleCalvert.com, not my MLM success YouTube channel, but the Dale Calvert YouTube YouTube channel. You guys saw the video and you know that last week I invested in three new crypto pro- protocols and I'm not going to get into all of it, but they're all related to the bait Bean miners. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I understand how crazy this sounds, but they're BNB miners and I went into that and explained that in the a video on the Del Calvert channel. And, you know, I, I, I put a total of a thousand bucks from my risk capital into three of these and we will double our money. Uh, I think two of the three are kind of, they, they're, they're slowing way down. They started off crazy. One of them had over baked beans exactly had over $14 million in the protocol in the platform. But here's my point. I put a thousand dollars from my risk capital in that. And I believe that will double within 60 days, 30, 60 days. It's going to double for sure, even though the payout has slowed down some. So it will double. And I had a thousand dollars. Because I'm only working with a $25, $25,000, uh, portfolio right now. Uh, and I had a thousand dollars that in, in the risks, risk part of it. And I put it in and I will double my money. I'm confident in that in a very short period of time. But what if I had put $10,000 into that and doubled it? Or a hundred thousand into that and doubled it within 90 days. Let's say a hundred thousand doubled in 90 days. So again, if you're a whale, I mean, Cuban could put two million in and something like that or more if he chose to. So I just say that so you kind of get an idea of my definition of a whale and ultimately the goal. And whatever your world is, and whatever your definition is, the goal would probably be to become a whale, not a millionaire. You got to get past becoming a millionaire and become a whale. Uh, and I probably share with you guys that my my goal over the next five years is to increase my net worth by ten million dollars within the crypto market. That's my goal in the next five years, and that's. Kind of a lofty go, considering the fact that many experts feel that the crypto market right now has fallen into a bear market. Uh, many people think and isolate like the first week in November last year as, as the start of the bear market. Many people have many different opinions, but a lot of people, there's a kind of consensus around the first week in November last year which was about the exact time that I made the decision to spend all of my personal education time learning everything I could about the crypto market. It was in November last year. So, you know, whatever. I made the decision, uh, and then the bear market starts. But hopefully it's not going to last much longer, and we don't move into a few years of what is commonly called the crypto winter, where everything, every coin is just kind of trading down or sideways. But regardless, the go is set 10 million over five years. I understand that over the course of many years, there'll be bear markets and bull markets. And I, I get it. I don't worry about it. I just, I also believe that digital currency is the future of finance period in the story. There's just too much. About it that makes way too much sense for this not to happen, and I started, as I mentioned earlier, this year with a strict budget of twenty five thousand dollars allocated to crypto projects because I know myself, and I, I have gambler instincts as it relates to business. Uh, as as I've probably said on this podcast, I've never, I've never, uh, I've, I've never put money on a roulette wheel or or any other vegas game i've been to vegas dozens of times i've never done i'm not a gambler okay i was when i was a teenager and i got kind of got hooked on the trots and i was sitting in a box at the trots every night in lexington kentucky at the horse races because my uncle had a box there and I could go and go free. And I got into that world. And I know that I don't ever want to go into that world again because I have this gambler mentality and I do. Uh, But I, I I appreciate having it in business, but I understand my instinct. So I put a strict budget on myself, 25 K. I can only invest profits. I cannot add more funds. Uh my risk diversion level is so low that I had to set up these parameters in my own mind before I started down this crypto journey because I knew I was going to lose some and I was going to win some and that I was really more my first year in an education mode and I just needed some money to figure out how to get the money onboarded into different projects. And Jesse talks about the fact that he... He made the not-so-smart decision to start trading on margin, which basically is borrowed money, in order to try to reach his goal towards the end of his one-year to $1 million goal. And he said he made the decision, and then the day after he made that that decision to, to trade on margin, the whole crypto market tanked. I will never, under any circumstances, trade on margin. So I understand those kind of risks. So when I set up my rules before I entered the market, I have very specific goals. I believe done right, uh, winning some, losing some, but but doing your research, looking behind the curtain, making the best decisions you can with the information that you have at the time, I believe that it is possible for this year to take the $25,000 uh, investment portfolio and turn it into a $100,000 investment portfolio to increase it 4X. During that time, I'm hoping to have some 10X winners and I'll have some losers and I'll have some that will go to zero and I may have some that do even better than 10X, but I believe I can go from 25 to 100. And then the next year, the goal would be 4X, so 4x 100,000 would go to 400,000. The next year, 4x. So if the 400k would go to 1.2 million, the fourth year, the 1.2 to 4.8. And then by the fifth year, that 4.8, if it just doubled, not 4x, but if it doubled, I'd almost be at my $10 million goal. And if I 4xed it, it would be at over, a little bit over, it would be 19.2 million. So that's the way my mind works. That's the way I look at it. And, and that's been my approach. And you can do the same approach. You could start with a 500 or a 5,000 or a 50,000 or a $500,000 portfolio and do the same thing. For me, it's just a game. It's a challenge. It's a market that is open for, uh, for me to explore and, and, and learn as much as I can and will keep my mind uh, occupied for the rest of my life. I mean, if if I had a a million dollars in risk capital that I could trade in and out of, uh, you know, I was a whale, that would be a whale in Dale's terms, but I could, you know, trade in and out of in the crypto market, again, by my definition, that would be a whale. I understand in the real crypto world, $1 million is considered chump change. But for me and my journey, I would consider myself a whale. But first, I have to figure out how to move from a mature entrepreneur to a jet fuel entrepreneur. And for that to happen, I can't wait on anything or anybody. I just have to go. I have to go, go, go. I have to go every day. I have to go every day with passion every single day. So if you think about it, and and you heard the story last week, when Jesse found the crypto space, he let his other projects, his journal, his Google Ads agency, and some of the other things he were doing, he let them go so he could focus on the crypto market because that's what was paying him the most. And some of the best advice ever gotten was from the late great Glenn Turner of Coscott, Dare to be great. And we were having a dinner one night in Orlando, Florida. And he said, Dale, the hardest thing you're going to have to learn to do is you got to learn to say no to a lot of good ideas. So you have time for the great ones. And as I've talked about, Many times in this podcast over the last few minutes, few months, pros pivot. Pros pivot. Some of you are listening to me right now, and and that advice that Glenn Turner gave me is the best advice you could ever hear. If you're ready for it, you have to say no to a lot of good ideas so you have time for the great ones. So when you hear Jesse's story, he persisted until he found himself trying multiple businesses. After his photography business that he grinded and built up to six figures, after he went down the tubes, he he grinded and persisted until him until he found himself in the right place at the right time. In the beginning of the DeFi crypto movement that was really grabbing the attention of Deejans all over the globe, his first crypto investment was in Stoic, and Stoic is a crypto trading bot, and, you know, he invested in Stoic, uh, put money in Stoic in the middle of a bull market when, quite frankly, any trading bot probably would have made made you profit, honestly. When everything's going up, the, all the trading bots look good. But he put his first money into that, and then he took those profits, and he invested into several no-projects. And this is when nodes were the newest, hottest crypto trend. And he rode the Node wave, the Node Wave of 2021, uh, putting money and reinvesting money and building up money in programs like StrongBlock, which I am in, uh Olympus Dow, which Mark Cuban's got millions of dollars in Olympus Dow, uh Cosmos Staking. He put money in DeFi kingdoms, Rome Dow, Thor nodes, Time Wonderland, and many other projects. Pulling the trigger real early, and getting in extremely early on many of these projects. And during this time, he was also investing in quote unquote I'm saying this in air quotes, but it's true but safe crypto investments. He has videos out there where he when he found Anchor Protocol and Yield Nodes that we have talked about uh, in previous podcasts. And just for the record, uh, and of course I'm not a financial investor, uh, financial advisor. This is not financial advice and all the other disclaimers you might need to hear. But just for the record, you know, I I believe that anchor protocol and, you you know, anchor protocol and yield nodes are two of the best investments still in the market today and will be for a long long time and you know they're considered safe in the crypto world and you know we've written a couple of articles about those over at cmgcrypto.com I've also talked about both of those in a podcast in the past I'll just if I can remember I'll leave articles or links to those articles in the in the notes on YouTube but anyway during this time Jesse was also mining with The plug-and-play Planet Watch miner, which, like many miners, it's it's not what it once was. I mean, the corn price of Planet Watch was something I was very interested in, but they were sold out on their largest miner, the one that's set outside on your porch. But I was really into Planet Watch. It, It looked phenomenal. Uh, in the beginning, but that coin has lost 90% of its overall price the last few months. It's gone from a high of $0.45 cents, uh to less than a nickel at the time of this recording. So there's no doubt about it. Jesse Eckl and many others rode the crypto node wave. And it's not really over. I don't think it may be, uh but I don't think it is. But. You know, much like the MLM run of the mid-90s, crypto nodes will never be what they once were. Okay, that type of run only happens once, and they will never be what they once were. There'll be other different spinoffs and other projects that will evolve in this market But the crypto node run will never be what it once was, just like the network marketing run of the mid-90s will never again be what what it once was. But my feeling is that crypto nodes will probably always be here. And that's a topic for another time and another place, you know, as, as it relates to network marketing. I think network marketing will always be here, but it's never going to experience the run that Many of us had in the '90s. As a as a group, there may be individuals like myself that has those runs, because I understand what the five stars are all about, and most people don't. Most and, and I understand the need, what it means, and why you need to pivot, and most network marketers don't. So, back to Jesse. He also got into several auto staking compounding projects like. Uh He was in AutoCake and Coge and very early in Titano. And with Titano, he turned this auto staking, auto compounding project, he turned a $3,500 investment into $244,000. <laughs> 3500 into 244000 you know, in, in a few months. And Titano was one of the first auto-staking and auto-compounding protocols introduced in the crypto space. Uh, today, he's totally out of that. Uh, and the auto-staking and auto-compounding project that Jesse is in today, uh, in fact, he's heavily involved. He's an advisor to the company. is a company called Sphere Finance, which I am also invested in. Uh, and there's been drama around that. Uh, that we don't need to get into, but I am involved in that. And there's an article about that as well in CMG Crypto at CMG But my point is, he was part- participating in several different projects, many different projects. Uh, he turned a $760 stake because he's involved in several different crypto staking projects as well. And he turned a $760 stake in Terra Luna into $130,000 in a few months. So when we really sit back and we really analyze Jesse's story and what's behind the curtain is he was a very money-motivated, but he's a very value-focused human being. But he was focused on the money, taking care of his five kids. And he did everything. He grinded. And when he ran up on the crypto world, he got there at a good time and place in history. He's smart. He's educated. He looked behind the curtain and he made a lot of decisions quickly, the best ones he could at the time with the information he had. He became beyond self-educated, going through multiple audio books and investment newsletters constantly. He took massive action and and please hear me, ladies and gentlemen. He didn't take action. He didn't pit. He didn't put his big toe in the water to try to learn how to swim. He took massive daily action, massive daily action. And I I heard him talk on a podcast and this was after he was like went over the hundred thousand dollar mark. And he said, what were the secrets to me, you know, getting my business? Launched in the crypto world, and he said, "I was highly motivated. I was reading and listening. He was actually listening to multiple books a month, all business books, which you guys heard last week. I I was actively searching for opportunities in the crypto space, actively daily searching for opportunities. Uh, I was reinvesting my profits." I tried a lot of things, and some of them didn't work. And I accepted failure as part of the journey. Man, that's good advice. That's good advice. And see, jealous people, thumb suckers, who during this time tried one or two protocols and they lost, they'll all start yelling, I know, and I've seen it. Oh, Jesse just got lucky. He, he just hit the right projects at the right time. Jesse was just a pump and dumper. He would just go on YouTube and talk about these projects and buy them. And then after everybody started buying, he would dump out and jump out of them. And i tell you guys, I've, I've watched this guy for too long. I've listened too much. I've looked too far behind the curtain. And I 100% disagree. I believe most mature entrepreneurs who have traveled the journey would agree with me and have really paid attention to this guy, Jesse Eckel hey, this guy's just getting started. He's just getting started. I mean, as many of you know, at one point on my journey, I retired from building teams for over 15 years. I moved into a consulting, training, speaking role for many different network marketing companies. Uh, At the time, my reality had far surpassed my expectations. I made several million dollars the last couple of years before retiring from building teams The first time when I was 39 and I was done. The responsibility of working with people just just became too much for me. And and the number of people that seemed to not be able to to talk unless their thumb was in their mouth. uh, It appeared to be growing at the time I retired when I was 39. And believe me, it has drastically grown. But I, I was just tired of it. And for 15 years, anytime I did an article, anytime, any type of content, I always was hearing all these different people. I heard, yeah, yeah, Dell did it back in the nineties, but he couldn't build a team today. He did it in the nineties. And the same thing is could, it could probably is going to be said about Jesse. You know, he hit the crypto market at the right time. He pumped and dumped blah, 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 blah. I believe he can and will prove all of them wrong. And I talked about this multiple times, but. You know, I, I I personally went into a coast mode. Yes, I was learning and building businesses in multiple niches, niches, and consulting and accepting up to two speaking gigs a month for various organizations. But emotionally, I mean, from a charge, you know, go for it, hit your hit the ground running standpoint, I was done. I told Dawn when we got married, look, I've lived I've lived a lifestyle most people can't even dream about. I've lived the best days of my life and I'm just chilling right now. And part of the reason that I re-entered the market with MPB honestly was to rub it in the face of the naysayers. I mean but with MPB I was there because I started as a consultant with that company and I knew I knew back then this was eight, ten years ago, the grocery delivery was going to be a coming trend and this was you know before Instacart, before any grocery stores or Walmart had any type of curbside pickup and you know all the common programs for grocery shopping and delivery that we that we see today i saw the trend eight ten years ago and that's really what attracted me because i believe the owner who i later found out was just a stone cold liar but i i believe the owner who told me he was putting together an investment group to buy up and expand the piggly wiggly grocery chain he was going to buy all the Piggly Wigglies around the United States and expand them into every state. And the distributors around the United States would be able to go to the grocery, fill up their carts and uplines would make BV on all grocery purchases. Can you imagine making an override when your town line goes to a grocery store and buys their Captain Crunch? I mean, come on. So, the dream the vision uh if it could have if it was ever going to be pulled off would have been phenomenal I, I wasn't going to let that type of opportunity pass me by and and this guy sold me a bill of goods but and i thought well i'm i'm i don't you know I, i'll consult but man i want to build a team so we had a great run there i made a lot of money we met some Absolutely phenomenal people that are still friends today. Uh, Pete Kowanko, Chuck and Afton Brown, uh, Doctor Michelle, and you know those those people that we met with that company are always going to be friends. Uh, Dave and Charlie, and the list goes on and on. I mean, we met some phenomenal people there. But over time, the owner showed his hand, making multiple dishonest moves. And and then he started not paying some people who had left and gone to another company, but they earned their commissions, and he stopped paying them the commissions, uh, not because they were cross-recruiting or anything, just because he didn't want to pay them. Long story short, he wanted to start this super cycler program. I told him, absolutely not. It's not the time. This will not work. You do not want to do this. It's going to look like a money grab, and it was a money grab. Uh, I went on... Vacation. I can't remember. We went to the Dominican Republic or somewhere. I can't remember. Uh, we went to some island and, and came back. And why well, the, the day after I left town, he, he rode it out to the field. Uh, I got back and, and I found out about it and I resigned immediately. And I left over $20,000 in commission and monthly commissions and consulting fees on the table. I left, and it was a big reminder of why I never wanted to get back in network marketing ever again. And I left, and I was done, and I thought I'll never build again. And I didn't for several years until I was exposed to a technology that I just couldn't ignore. And, you know, we've achieved the top position in, in that company, the MPB Diamond, faster than anyone Uh, and with a couple of companies I've joined since, I've always been one of the top recruiters and one of the, and and we've always had one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing teams in those companies. But honestly, in many ways, the main reason I started building teams again, uh, is I just wanted to rub it in the face of all those people that for 15 years have been saying, Dale Calvert's old school. He couldn't build it today. Social media is the only way you can build it. You, you know, attraction marketing, Dell couldn't do it because he doesn't believe in attraction marketing, blah, 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 blah. And every podcast, every, every article, everything I've done over the years has been sharing the truth, the thing that I know. And that is depending on new technology, whether it's our new marketing methods, whether it's social media marketing, or whatever, depending on anything, any new marketing method, instead of wisdom of the age's principles, will always be a mistake. If you don't get the foundation right, none of the rest of this crap matters. So in my first six months with IHUB Global, despite the many challenges the company has gone through, Uh, I've personally sponsored 295 team members, approximately, uh, 200 of them are, were co-prospects. I never, that I never met. They didn't know me. I didn't know them. And our team is now approaching 5,000 people. We're adding dozens of new team members today, daily as we speak. And I expect our team to grow to 30,000 plus by the end of the year. So to all of those that ran their mouth for years saying Dell couldn't build a team today. At this point, uh, I would just say that you're an attraction marketing idiot. And at this point, the track record is beyond proven, and there's nothing else to say about it. Thank you for allowing me to get through that rant. It wasn't until over the last five years or so that a lot of self-observation that I've come to realize there's only one way to score, to keep score as an entrepreneur. There's one way. And that is one thing, one metric, increase in net worth. And notice I didn't say increase in the number of toys you buy or vacations you take. I said increase in net worth. And I think Jesse understands this. Uh, yes, he reached his million dollar goal in 1.6 months. But what did he say? He said, my next goal is five million. And he said, who knows? Maybe one day a billion, but my next goal is five million. And one of the most important pieces of advice I've ever heard. And I honestly, I just forgot it because of the emotional trauma and drama. Around uh, disassociate, disassociation, disassociating myself with New Image International back in the day. The amount of and I've said on this podcast, it was like I went through 17 divorces at the same time. But the, 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 the concept, the idea, of what you've got to really, 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 this is valuable. This is what success is. Success is living your life working towards worthy goals once you reach those goals you're no longer a success unless you set new ones and i lost that advice um i lost it and i can blame it on the the trauma and the drama and and really that's really what happened but it's like i've i'm done i'm finished i'm going to coast i've made enough money i've made good investments i'm coasting And that's kind of where I was. And that's why I didn't continue the entrepreneurial journey. I didn't set new goals because my reality had already so far surpassed my wildest expectations from when I started on the journey. And Jesse has discovered the niche that will create more wealth over the coming years than any niche since the Industrial Revolution. And he understands that the biggest transfer of wealth in history is getting ready to happen. It's getting ready to happen. And you can read all the articles. It's, it's all right in front of us. The, big, the biggest transfer of wealth in history is getting ready to happen. Baby boomers own all the money. When they pass on, who's going to inherit that money? All that money that who's going to where's that wealth going to be transferred to it's going to be transferred to the millennials. What will millennials be investing that money in man that's an important question you've got to get this what where are the millennials going to be putting their money it's not going to be in g e and i b m and traditional stocks it's going to be in the crypto markets. I believe that it's as that's where they're putting their money now is in the crypto markets. And Jesse understands that. And if you're in the crypto market or thinking about it, you need to understand that. Uh, I believe before he's, he's done, he will start multiple businesses within the crypto niche and invest in hundreds of projects. And honestly, I wouldn't bet against him creating a network, net worth of $5 million. Would you? Would you bet against him developing a net worth of $5 million? I certainly wouldn't. Uh, I mean, just like I wouldn't bet against Gary Vee buying the New York Jets or Grant Cardone having more real estate holdings than anybody in the world. Jesse today has started a KYC company after getting rug pulled and scammed in a couple of projects and... Uh, you know, time, time, Wonderland, and a couple of others. And for those of you that don't understand KYC, it just KYC measures. Uh, are for crypto platforms that looking to offer services. Uh, what they do as this whole crypto world continues to grow and the industry can, can continues to grow and mature globally and nationally. Uh, Financial regulators are putting more pressure on firms. And a KYC company, basically, they will verify who's behind it uh, with IDs, IDs and legal papers. So in the event something goes wrong and there needs to be some type of criminal charges filed, the people that were behind the project to begin with, that information is turned over to authorities. But anyway, he started a company called, uh, the Obsidian Council and it's taken off. A lot of people are using his company for their KYC before they start specific products. So Jesse Echo without, without doubt is a jet fuel entrepreneur on his way, in my opinion, to becoming a whale. I mean, what are the odds that he becomes a billionaire in 30 years? Well, if he doesn't lose the path, if he doesn't lose, lose the desire, if he doesn't lose the passion, it's inevitable. So when you study the past of many legendary entrepreneurs, two things start to become very clear. Two things start to become very clear. Number 1 all five stars line up and we'll talk about network marketing but and, and as well as traditional business it doesn't matter all five stars line up and the most important star is being the fifth star where you are in a mark or you're marketing a product or a service that doesn't have to be sold and that the market cares about and if you don't understand that in the United States, we are in a crypto curious market, that people are curious about the cryptocurrency market. When you've got you know six different Super Bowl commercials around crypto platforms, and I could go on and on and on. I'm not going to. But if you don't get it, you're just not paying attention. Your head's in a, under a rock somewhere. What do you think people... I have mo- the most interest in right now. The crypto market are the newest, greatest face glob. Are the newest high level nutritional product from Jupiter, or whatever else you want to throw in the mix. And and, and you you got to understand that. You know, Success Magazine said if people want what you're selling, you'll get rich. In network marketing, you the, you got to get with a company where the five stars are lining up, you know, the right company at the right time in history, the right corporate leadership team. You don't want to get involved with the, with the Piggly Wiggly buyout dude that I was involved with, uh, the right product or service that people want proven sequential. And in network marketing, this is overlooked. Uh, You want to be with a team that has proven sequential Mindset and leadership development training, as well as proven marketing methods to get the message in the marketplace. And then the fifth star, and the most important, is the emotional state of the market ultimately is going to determine your upside potential. And that's why, you know, being in a crypto-curious market, it's just like fishing in a barrel. And for every business niche, I'm sure that the stars are different, but I am also just as sure that the fifth star is congruent in every niche. So that's number one concept. Number two, and this is, this is, this is what people need to really kind of try to wrap their minds around. The people that are jet fuel entrepreneurs, It's usually their first shot at real business. It's their first rodeo. And they just happen to land somewhere where the stars have lined up. Their first one. It's their first one. And this only happens and can only happen once. Because by the time you're involved in five or six businesses you should learn from all of them. And after five or six, if you're aware and you adjust, then you should be very close to becoming what I would call a mature entrepreneur. And by definition, a mature entrepreneur cannot have the naivety or the confidence that comes with having a huge audacious go like Jesse did. See, you can't know what you need to know to be to be a mature oppor- entrepreneur and have the naivety of a Jesse Eckel And we talked about this last week. I'm not going to go through it all again, but there's five ty- types of entrepreneurs. Actually, there's seven. The first, entrepreneur. That's ninety seven percent of the network markers. It's just a huge social club. Nobody's doing anything except blowing smoke up each other's dresses. And then you have the ready fire aim entrepreneurs. They fire before they aim. Then you have the ready aim fire entrepreneurs. And then you also have the ready fire 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 again entrepreneurs. I would put Jesse in that category in the beginning when he decided he was going to take his inheritance and invest it, he was going to become a professional stock trader with absolutely no training. And then number five is the mature entrepreneur. By contrast, back in the day, the most fired-up, focused group of people that I was ever around was the Amway crowd. That was the most fired-up, focused group of people I ever worked with, at least until we started New Image International back in '95. And I think after and, – and honestly, the most fired-up, focused group of people that I've ever worked with, without question, was the New Image crowd. But prior to that, back from my Shackley days forward, it was definitely the, the, the Amway crowd. And many of you know exactly – what I'm talking about when I talk about these fired-up, bulletproof Amway distributors. I mean, when you ran into an Amway crowd at a Denny's or hotel event, you knew they were different. I mean, think about it. You guys have been around a while. You know, when you met an Amway group, you knew they were different. They were bulletproof. They were bulletproof, and none of them were making any significant income or had hopes of ever making any income. But just like most of the network marketing distributors in most companies today, today, I've said many times on this podcast, it's like we're all in Amway now. You know, Amway was a social club, just like network marketing, virtually all network marketing companies are today. But my goodness, those people knew how to dream. I mean, they knew how to dream and they believed in their dream and they were bulletproof. They were bulletproof. So in the USA, Amway picked in the early 70s, except for a brief time during the dot-com boom when they changed their name to Quickstar. Some of you will remember that. And I would always ask myself, what is going on with these Amway groups? Why are they so different? How can so many people be so fired up about a business that's costing them more to be in every year than they were ever making profits? And I eventually figured it out. I eventually figured it out. Amway distributors learned how to brainwash themselves and live every day focused on their dream. That was the secret. As I've mentioned in this podcast uh, in the past, I did a whole session on Dexter Yeager. But the four most important words to ever come out of Dexter Yeager's mouth, and some of you have heard the story. It's worth repeating real quickly here. But it was a big event. and I think it was in Charlotte, North Carolina, some arena there. And Dexter first night, and you know twenty, thirty thousand Amway distributors in this arena. And Dexter was scheduled to speak at ten o'clock, and you know the event started at five o'clock, and they had all these speakers one after another, and all of them went over their time. And it was like, you know, it was running far, far behind schedule. And people were just there. They couldn't wait to hear Dexter and wait to hear his talk. And he was supposed to come on at 10 o'clock that evening. And it was finally like a little bit after 2 in the morning when he was introduced. And they said, ladies and gentlemen, Dexter Yeager and the crowd went crazy. The number one money owner in Amway history, blah, blah, blah. Dexter walks out to the podium. He adjusts the mic a little bit. He looks at the crowd, and he points at them, and he says, the facts don't count. And he turned around and left the left the stage. The facts don't count. Again, Amway distributors learned how to brainwash themselves every day and li- and focus on their dream no organization in history of entrepreneurship has been better at helping people dream than amway because most people stop dreaming about the age of you know in their early 20s when the real world smacks them in the face they they lose their ability to dream and amway brought back childhood childlike dreams to people they did say what you want about Amway, they brought back the ability for people to learn how to dream. And in that simple fact, the genius, the ability to help people learn to dream big, that's when the magic happens. Now, my question for you is what if that philosophy of dreaming big and that culture could be created around an opportunity where the timing was perfect and the five stars had lined up? What if that was possible to have that type of dream big, will not be denied, bulletproof mentality that you walk around with every day and combine that? What if it could be, it can't be, But what if it could be combined with a opportunity, a real opportunity with real upside potential in front of a real trend where the five stars have lined up? What if you could combine those two things? What if you could? Here's the rub. This is the challenge. The people that understand and look for the stars And look behind the curtain are mature entrepreneurs, not naive newbies. Did you hear what I just said? That's real important. The people that have, that know to look behind the curtain and to, to look for the stars are mature entrepreneurs. They're not naive newbies. And here lies the challenge because most naive newbies in network marketing they will join Amway or Metalook or Usana or any MLM business it's already peaked it's already they've already had their run they'll join them or they might decide that they're going to start you know publishing books on Kindle even though that that ship has sailed or maybe they're going to start building Shopify stores and doing dropship And some people decided to do that this week, this week. They decided to make that even though that ship has sailed. So people are getting involved in untimely businesses daily based upon a lot of times fake gurus telling them what they want to hear. But anyway, they're getting involved in these type of businesses daily based upon emotions. They're making emotional decisions And then they end up, if they hang out in that business model, whether it's Mel, Luke, or their Shopify store, they spend the rest of their time trying to justify those decisions instead of just saying, you know what, I was wrong, or, hey, I made a mistake, or the market has changed, and it's time for me to pivot. Jesse started quickly and pivoted quickly. He fell forward quickly, which is real important on all real entrepreneurs' journey. Very few naive newbies find themselves in a company at a time and place where the five stars have lined up. These stories are almost non-existent in today's MLM world. It's almost non-existent. Because the number of opportunities that offer real five-star potential is so few and far between. So very few people are going to end up in network marketing, period, and especially with the company where the five stars have lined up. Does that make sense? So back in the day, you could go to an, into any MLM company and hear the story after story after story of people of no experience, They joined the company. They replaced their full-time income within three to five years. Some were making over $100,000 a year and on their their way to creating true financial independence. But, ladies and gentlemen, those days are gone. Those stories are over. Those stories are over. Companies and those with leadership titles talk about, well, you know, the FDC doesn't want us to talk about income. And that's true, but you know what? In the mid nineties, the FTC didn't want you to talk about income either. Okay. And, and again, I'm not debating this. I agree. The FTC doesn't want you to talk about income and it's not a good idea. But the reason, the real reason that companies keep preaching this, the real reason is they don't want their new distributors to know the new people that are joining them to, to realize, hey, there's no income to talk about. I mean, I don't care what company you're with. Show me one person in your entire company right now, whatever company you're with, who's never been in network marketing, never built a team, they started and within three years they were able to make a hundred thousand plus income. Tell me one: doesn't exist. It's people moving from deal to deal to deal to deal to deal, following the leader, following the leader. The leader's making bridge money deals with company owners, and it's a friggin' social club. It's not a business. Um, You know, I hope you guys can hear what I'm trying to communicate. I hope you can hear what I'm trying to communicate. I promise we're leading somewhere, but you got to get these points. Every whale entrepreneur you can name, and these are like multimillionaires and billionaires, okay? I'm not talking about self-made millionaires. I'm talking about whales that have large discretionary uh, incomes that they can allocate to high-risk investment ideas or businesses. Every one of them. Uh, every Whale Entrepreneur entrepreneur you can name started as a naive newbie. They may have got, had a college education. They may be educated, but they were a naive newbie, Steve Jobs included. Uh, when I got started, I was convinced that after 90 days in Shackley, I was going to quit my job and be driving a Porsche for sure in a year. And what I didn't know is that Shackley, at the time, like Amway, had peaked back in, back in the, in the 70s, and the five stars were not lined up. Heck, I didn't even know I was supposed to be looking for stars. I mean, can you guys relate to this? I didn't know. None of us know. I was a naive newbie. I mean, my favorite TV show back in the day, was A&E Biography. And I was always, I've always had a disdain for those that were born with silver spoons in their mouth. Now, I've met a lot of great people that were born with silver spoons in in their mouth and are in the network marketing entrepreneurial world that are good friends. But in general, growing up in Kentucky and all the second and third generation horse money and all these kids that never worked or grinded a day in their life. It just gave me a disdain growing up. But I also have always had a fascination for self-made entrepreneurs who had big dreams and went to work and grinded it out until they figured it out. They grinded it out until they figured it out. Doesn't that sound like Jesse Echel? Success leads clues, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, business insider. I had an article that I found and it said that 60% of self-made millionaires were not A students and many never attended college. Now, some of you know, I wrote a book about this. Oh, It's on Amazon. I wrote it probably 8 or 10, 12 years ago, maybe longer. And it's called How to Get Rich Without a College Education. And I can remember a lot of people close to me saying, Dale, you shouldn't name this book that. You shouldn't say that. That's not true. Parents are going to be mad at you if their kids get a hold of this book. Blah, 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 blah. And these were some of the people that, like, really close to me. But I did it anyway because I knew it was true. And I knew people needed to hear it. But anyway, in this article, it says, I'm just going to read you some parts of it. It said, 70% of self-made millionaires in my study, this is this guy that wrote the article, Study were not exceptional students. In fact, more than a third underperformed academically. Academic success comes easy to those with high IQ, but success in life does not come easy. It is filled with pitfalls, obstacles, failures, and mistakes. Success requires persistence, mental toughness, and emotional toughness. And overwhelming, overcoming these pitfalls is not easy. The pursuit of success pushes you to the edge emotionally and physically. You must grow a thick skin and become accustomed to struggling if you hope to succeed. What book does that sound like, guys? Those of you that are in CMG Book Club, you know. That sounds like rhinoceros' rhinoceros success, right? you got to have thick skin. The article continues. High achievers choose to keep learning. They choose to, okay? They don't have to. They choose to keep learning. And in many cases, they start learning for the first time after their formal education is completed. Those who struggle academically may be, may be more accustomed to dealing with struggle and making it a daily habit to overcome the pitfalls of struggle. Consequently, they can develop more of an immunity to the fear of failure and the fear of making mistakes. This is important because success is built upon a mountain of failure and mistakes. That's how you build success, on a mountain of failures and, and, and mistakes. What's interesting about self-made millionaires in my study is, despite the fact that they did not have high IQs, they nonetheless grew their intelligence significantly over their lifetime. They never stopped trying and they never stopped learning until about 10 years ago, the, no, the notion of being able to increase your IQ would have seemed impossible, but things have changed. Science has discovered that it, it is possible. We are now learning more about EQ, emotional intelligence. Those who are aware of people and their emotions and devote time to personal improvement seem to rise to legendary levels of success. Though These high-EQ people seem to be the category the majority of self-made millionaires fall into, while the high-IQ academics seem to find themselves trapped in the corporate structure too concerned of what others may think to attempt to face their fears and break away from the status quo. Truth is truth, ladies and gentlemen. Again, this article, where did it come from? It came from, I think, Business Today. Business Today, is that what I said? Yeah, Business Insider. Business Insider. 60% of self-made millionaires were not A a students, and many never attended college. So, you know, a cop-out for a lot of people, especially a lot of the entrepreneurs, is, you know, I don't have a college education They don't understand formal education makes you a living. If you become self-educated, you create a fortune. I mean, we all know that Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, and Steve Jobs never, never completed college. But you can look at the stories, guys, and you start to understand that formal education has very little to do with real success. Self-education has everything to do with it and the, the willingness to dream big and grind. The willingness to big, dream big and grind. I'm going to share a couple of things with you and then I'm going to wrap this up. We're going to have to go just to, to a part three. I just want to share a couple with you and then we'll pick this up next week. But, uh, Ralph Lauren, after studying business for two years at, and At some branch college in Manhattan, Ralph Lauren dropped out of school and joined the Army. He left the Army in 1964, married his wife, got a job at a manufacturer that made ties. He went against the grain designing wide ties instead of the skinny ties that were popular at the time. He sold a half a million dollars worth in his first year. Today, the Ralph Ralph Lauren, the tycoon, is worth seven billion (laughs) dollars. Ralph Lauren, why? Okay, Ralph Lauren. He didn't have a he didn't have a, a, a four year college degree. He got a job as a tie maker. But he followed his instincts. He followed his guts, and he went for it. And and again, there's there's others. Let me let me. I've got a couple more here that's just kind of mind blowing. Uh, Steve Madden, also the Steve Madden and the shoe brand. Steve Madden, Madden attended the University of Miami for a short time, but quickly landed back in his native New York in 1978 after his father stopped funding his education due to his fun loving ways. He gained experience working in a variety of footwear companies before starting in 1998 with the last $1,100 in his bank account. Today, Steve Madden is worth over $31 million. Sean Pitty, Sean Combs, P. Diddy, hip hop mogul, Businessman, designer, and TV personality, Sean Diddy Combs, might have a $900 $900 million net worth, but he didn't need a college degree to get there. Rachel Ray, the celebrity chef, cookbook author, and Emmy-winning talk show host group, up surrounded by different styles of cooking, and has held a number of roles in the food industry. She developed a 30-minute meal class while working at a gourmet food store in New York and then got her big break when her classes were picked up by a local television newscast. The cooking segment eventually led to her first book deal and a contract with the Food Network. Network. Today, her net worth is $100 million dollars messing around in the in the you know doing her thing in in the food industry came up with this concept called 30 minute meals started teaching classes a local new york station came in and did a little blip blip on her that blip led to a book deal which led to a food network tv show which led to her $100 million net worth. Coco Chanel, the fashion icon, was raised in an orphanage and taught to sew by nuns. In 1910, she opened a hat store in Paris, and the rest is here history. At the time of her death in 1971, Coco Chanel had a net worth of over $88 million. Simon Cowell, Simon Cow dropped out of college at 17 after being kicked out of a number of institutions for bad behavior. Simon Cow, American Idol. Yeah, that one. He worked his way up the ladder in the music industry to become a producer and AR professional, eventually founding the now defunct Fanfare Records. Simon today has a net worth of over $600 million. Richard Branson. Richard Branson dropped out of school at 16 to start a youth culture magazine. Today, Richard Branson and all his companies has created for Mr. Branson a $56 billion net worth. Ted Turner. Many of you know Ted Turner, the Turner Network. Uh, Ted actually started with Glenn Turner and Dare to Be Great, the network marketing company. That's where he got his training. That's where he got his personal development training. Uh, that's how Ted Turner started. And then he went on to develop a chain of restaurants centered around Buffalo Meat and, of course, Turner Broadcasting. And today, Ted Turner is worth $2.2 2 billion. What's my point to this point, ladies and gentlemen? I think you have to understand, we all have to understand that a lot of this is about timing it's a it's about the right place right time Uh, what if the the tv station hadn't decided to pick up to do a news clip on rachel ray okay but what if jesse hadn't got involved in the front end of the node wave that happened in 2021 but see if you persist and you continually put one foot in front of the other and you consistently take action and you're expecting big things to happen, then you will eventually always find yourself in the right place at the right time. So timing is very critical. But even if you're in the right place at the right time in the, in the team building and network marketing profession, if you don't have the other four stars, then y- y- your, your upside potential is limited. But the main thing that I want you to really think about, and that is the rub, the rub. See, the rub is you can only be a naive newbie once. You can only be a naive newbie once. And the question I want you to think about, what, what was the magic? What created the magic of Amway? Helping people brainwash themselves to the point of being bulletproof—big, big, big-time big dreamers. I can remember so many stories. You know, guy that I worked with at IBM, and he was talking about how the, the, the limo driver was picking up his wife, and they were going, to, and he had this whole vision, this whole dream in his mind. And I thought, man, that is phenomenal. It's the same concept that we teach in Programming Your Mind for Success in that course called My Perfect Day. My Perfect Day, which originally came from when I read The Magic of Thinking Big the first time. And see, I think if you're a serious entrepreneur and you have a serious upside opportunity in front of you, you better be thinking about your perfect day every day. But what was the magic of Amway? How could they do that? How could they create a... A huge organization of people that were spending more money than they were making, but were bulletproof, big time dreamers. Because normally that only happens one time in your life. One time in your life. I'm going to share one more story with you and then we're going to call this session a wrap. And I love Shark Tank. It's probably my, my, I go to sleep a lot of nights watching whatever I missed or whatever I recorded on shark tank. But I think about Damon John and, and and again, all the shark tank people, but you know, Damon John, John was born in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, he grew up in Queens. He attended a Catholic school for seven, eight years. And when he was 10, his parents got divorced. And, He started working. I mean, from the time he was 10 years old, he was out there working. He was selling something or handing out flyers and so on and so forth. And when he was a senior, they allowed him to work a full-time job and attend high school, uh, going back and forth on a weekly basis. But he was able to create credits. And he said this time is when the entrepreneurial spirit was kind of really ingrained in him back in those high school days. And after high school, he was waiting tables at Red Lobster. That was his job. And when he was 16, uh, his mom had remarried, and he got a lot of good direction from his stepfather, business direction. And he ended up starting FUBU, the clothing line. And he started out of his mother's house in Queens, New York. Uh He had the idea to create a clothing company for young urban men. And his mother taught him how to sew. And she supported him by allowing her house to be taken over as his office, his manufacturing facility and, every, and everything out of his mom's home. And as I was you know, doing the research on this, I think about when I was fourteen I started my first business, which was a direct mail business out of my parents' home and they allowed me to do the same thing, keep my shelves, do my inventory. It was called Calvert's second hand magic, by the way. People have asked me that. I bought and sold secondhand magic tricks. As many of you know I was a magician in my high school days. And I ran ads in the magic publications and People sent away from my list once a month what I had available. It's all direct mail. But anyway, um, so Damon started it and he started with these wool, wool ski type hats. Uh, and their tops actually tied off. And they were very popular in urban communities at the time. And he said, you know, he would sell them for $20 and he would, he would sell as many as he could. Then he would go home and and create 90 hats. And then he would go out on the streets and he sold as many hats as he could. He said he would stand on the corner of Jamaica Avenue. And, you know, there was days when he was making $800 a day. Uh, and this whole phenomena started. And then he started to really get into the market. He was doing consignments with different people who were selling their hats and making his hats and making commissions. And then they started doing these big events, concerts and so forth around the Northeast, uh setting up booths at rap festivals and so forth. And, and the whole time, he's got a full-time job at Red Lobster. But he's working on FUBU. Uh, this Fubu business in between his red lobster shifts. And once you really started to realize, Hey, I've got something. The timing is perfect. People are, are attracted to this. Uh, him and his mother sat down. And they decided to mortgage their house, his mom's house for a hundred thousand dollars to generate the startup capital. And he recruited a couple of his longtime friends into the business and they all began sewing Fubu logos on hockey jerseys and sweatshirts and t-shirts and they ended up loaning out about 10 of these jerseys and sweatshirts to rappers that they knew for their music videos and and over two years he got product placements in about 30 popular videos And he says, you know, people thought we had this huge clothing brand. We were just buying off-the-shelf hockey jerseys and, and sweatshirts and sewing our logo on them. You know, me and my two buddies. And it was a really kind of a small company. And then what happened was stores started to request their brands. And then... Back in, I guess it, he said it was 1993, he convinced LL Cool, cool J, a, who was a neighborhood friend, to wear a FUBU t-shirt for a promotional campaign uh while filming a 30-second advertising spot for The Gap. So he's talking about The Gap, L, and this was a big controversy around this. The Gap just missed it. They were too stupid to know the difference, the CEOs and their ivory towers at The Gap. But LL Cool J is talking about The Gap, getting paid big money to do this Gap commercial, but when he's doing it, he's wearing a FUBU T-shirt. And and it was just controversy, but, man, it it put the company in motion. And then in 1994, uh, he ended up getting a $300,000 in orders from Macy's uh, at a Las Vegas trade show. And his mom had to take out another mortgage on her house in order to fulfill the orders because he had been turned down by 27 different banks for a loan. And the mother, his mom, used the last of their money to take out. A big advertisement in the New York Times and as a result of the FUBU ad he ended up making a deal with Samsung textiles which allowed them to complete the orders and FUBU has earned over 6 billion dollars in global sales today okay that is a great example of a naive newbie Hitting jet fuel out of the gate business one. A red lobster waiter with an idea who hit the who hit a market about the time rap videos were really getting popular on TV. He got the name in front of the marketplace. He created this demand for his product and created a six what was it 6 billion 6 billion or 6 million 6 billion dollar business in global sales i want you to think about what we've talked about i haven't got to the main point but i've given you some things to think about because here's the here's the question i really want you to think about have you ever operated on jet fuel and some of you have been involved in network marketing I know. I've seen it. You come back from an event, usually, and your ignorance on fire for a few hours, a few days, sometimes a few weeks, sometimes a few months. But my point is, for a period of time, you get up every day determined to win that day. You're focused about, you're, you're bulletproof. You're like an Amway distributor with this huge, my perfect day, picking me up in the limousine, blah, 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 in your mind, and you believe it and you're going for it. Most of you have had that experience at some point on your entrepreneurial journey. Jet fuel. Jet fuel only happens once, normally. Once. And it, and it happens like it happened for Damon John. Jet fuel. Jet fuel, man. Jet fuel. He had something's working and he's grinding at it as hard as he can go every single day, sewing and selling. But it's jet fuel. It's a, it's a mental state. And if you've ever experienced what I'm talking about, even for a short period of time, The real question, if you want to achieve your full upside potential, it's real simple. If you want to achieve your full upside potential, you have to find the right opportunity at the right time in history where the five stars have lined up and you got to work it daily with a jet fuel mentality. Many of you listen to me. I know because I know who you are. You know who I am. You found the right opportunity at the right time, but you don't have the jet fuel. I don't have the jet fuel. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. So the question I hope you'll think about this week is where does the jet fuel come from? Where does the jet, where does your jet fuel come from? And if you don't know, you need to figure it out. The hint, where does the Amway jet fuel come from? W- where did that come from? This is Dale Calvert. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week on another session of the MLM Success Podcast. Remember, guys, the the teaching is in the words, but the learning is in the silence. What does that mean? It's your thoughts, your thoughts on what we've shared on this session don't let it go in one ear and out the other really think about how where's where's my fuel how am i going to get my jet fuel think about that this week leave me a comment or a review whatever they call it in the comment section i'll try to find that link and put it below in the description and on the youtube channel leave that for me and i will be back with you next week thanks guys